Well, as Wendy shared, uh, we're, today we're continuing on talking about our church's core values. And um, w- last week we started off and we just said clearly up front, our church, number one core value is that we're a Christ-centred church. Uh, Jesus is Lord, is what we just hope everybody who comes to this church uh, will come to a point of saying, in my life, Jesus is Lord. We looked last week at that that's our desire for individuals, that we would come to know Jesus our Lord and Saviour, that people would come to a place where they're able to not only say that in their heart but declare it publicly through baptism and then become part of the church membership. And then what would happen, that church members together seek the mind of Christ on the major issues in our church, the major things that we're looking for. We talked about how that's structured in our church. We talked about how we want that to happen in every single ministry area of our church where people say Christ is the head of our church, Christ the head of our ministry. So that's our first one we looked at. Then we said, hey, not only that, but we are a church that is biblically based. We understand everything about Christ through God's word. Our church is based on the strong foundation of God's word. He speaks to us through his word. He guides us through his word. He leads us through his word. So if you ever see me doing anything at all that contradicts God's word as your pastor, pick me up. I want to be challenged on it. I want to, I want to because I want to do what God's word says. There's no other option for us as a church. These are two of the key values that we looked at last week. And these are ones that we need to fight for no matter what. So I'm hoping that if ever you see someone distorting a value, there's something within you will go, we don't want that at our church. How could that happen with Jesus is Lord? Well, someone could start telling you what (laughs) God's saying. That would be... God is saying this to you. You have to change that in your life. Well, that would be saying that because Jesus is Lord of my life, I can tell you what he's saying to you. You realise how that's violating that core value? We believe that Christ is Lord of my life and your life. So we have to seek to say, what is he saying? It's great to say, I feel God's saying this to you. What do you think as you pray and ask Jesus that as well? You know what I mean? The second thing is biblically based. If someone says something which is not Lining up with God's word, alarm bells ring for us, don't they? We, we want to stop that completely. So these are the things that we've identified as a church that are our values, the first two. And today we're going to look together at worship and prayer, the next two values that we have uh, as a church. Um, I can remember after I gave my heart to Jesus, just a, a week later, a time when I was just... Uh, reflecting on what decision I had made and just feeling tears come to my eyes. Uh, That was worship. I remember uh, being on a beach in Fiji in my um, board shorts, lying on the beach next to Mandy and uh, on our honeymoon, just feeling overwhelmed with the good things that God had given me and just giving thanks to him. That's worship. I remember uh, just not so long ago uh, driving in my car and just being so thankful to God for a number of different things and just as I was driving along and just not so, just, just recently I was on a jog and I remembered thinking to myself, isn't God great? Worship. See, worship is what we're looking at today and it's what our church values and it can happen anywhere right throughout the day, any time, any place. Our church at its very core uh, is a church that longs to worship God in every facet of our lives. That's our value. We want to worship God as a church in every facet of our lives. Not just Sunday, but on Sunday, definitely but right through our lives with everything that we're doing. So what does worship mean? It means loving God. It means that uh, if if we're doing anything that's bringing pleasure to God, then we're worshipping him. Uh, You know, this church exists so that we might love God 
and express that to him and be, bring him pleasure. You know, there's an expert in religious law that came to Jesus when he was on earth. He tried to trick him and he said this or ask him a question. He came up and he said, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I want you to notice that worship is primary for God's church. The first and greatest commandment, Jesus said. Uh, he, he said, uh, this, is, this is what you must get about if you're going to get about doing my will. Uh, people down the ages have, have wrestled with, you know, well, what, what should we do? What, how do we sum up what we do? And in the Westminster uh, Catechism, uh, they said, this just starts off, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. They agree with what Jesus said. Worship is primary. To, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever is the chief end of man. So if you're wondering, if you're thinking, oh, why am I alive? Why am I here? Why do I exist today? Well, you know, is my life, what should I be doing with my life? Well, God would say, the reason I made you, even before you were born, I, I, I want to love you and I want you to love me. I want you to worship me. I want you to bring glory to me in your life. I want you to live a life that brings me pleasure, that is worshipful right through. When Jesus was talking to the uh, woman at the well in John uh, chapter 4, he said that his father is seeking worshippers. The truth is that God is looking for people who will worship him, who will recognise that this is why you were created. This is why God has you here on earth. God's actually seeking, the Father is seeking churches that will worship him, that will worship him, that there will be people that make up our church that will live their whole lives in worship. That's why for our church, Wodonga District Baptist Church, we want God to find here a church that worships him in every facet of our lives. We not only worship God because it's primary, but we worship God because we're commanded to. Look at that verse that we've just looked at before. I'll bring it back up. And it says, the, the, what's the most important commandment? He said, well, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Notice he didn't say it's a suggestion or if you've got a bit of time on your to-do list or if you've got some leftovers. This is a commandment from God. He says, worship Jesus is saying the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So we worship as a church, we worship individually because we're commanded to. You know, sometimes we don't feel like worshipping, if we're really honest. Isn't that true? Well, David, I reckon he was going through a time uh, when he was writing the Psalms where he was going through a time when he didn't feel like worshipping. You know, look at this verse. It's like he's actually talking to himself, to his own soul. And he's saying, hey, soul, why are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? And instead of just saying, well, you know, if you don't feel like worshipping, um, that's all right. He says to himself, to his own soul, put your hope in God, for yet will I praise him, my saviour and my God. I think David had a grip of an understanding that worship was something that you do even when you don't feel like it, that we're commanded to worship him so we actually worship him. If you get up next Sunday morning, you don't feel like coming, remember I'm, I'm commanded to worship God and, and worship him. Uh, for us, it's not just a choice. We worship him because God commands us to. Uh, hopefully, though, we'll feel like worshipping too. I mean, hopefully we won't just have to worship because we're 
told to. Hopefully worship will spring out of some other things, some other truths. And, and the other thing, the other reason why we worship is because he's worthy of all our worship. So we not only worship him because worship's primary and we don't only worship him because he's commanded us to, but we worship him because he's worthy of all our worship. Look what Psalm 48 verse 1 says. Great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. And most worthy of praise. You know, there's nothing else in your whole life that is worth worthy of your Praise of your total praise and devotion. Nothing worthy of your worship. Look at, look at this. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God is holy. God is just. God is righteous. He's everywhere. There's no place where God is not. His power is unlimited. He knows everything that there is to know. He's loving, he's forgiving, he's kind, he's patient, he's good, he's true. He does not lie. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's above all rulers and authorities. His name is higher than any other. There's no beginning, there's no end to God and he's lavished his love on you and me. He's worth worshipping, isn't he? When you think about all that. So that's why the, the, the psalmist says in Psalm 33 verse 1, sing joyfully to the Lord. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous, for it is fitting. It is uh, fitting. It's appropriate. It's, it's just a normal thing to do for the upright to praise him. When we realise who God is and what he's done for us, praise is the response. Worship is the response. We love him for who he is and what he's done. Uh, n- not only do we praise him because he's worthy But we love him because he actually first loved us. He was the first one to reach out to us and show us his love. It's not like we sit back and we go, wow, gee, aren't I worthy of, you know, I I loved God. Uh, You know, I'm the one that responded to him and if it wasn't for me. No, we love him because he first loved us. Look what it says, 1 John 4.19. That's why we love him. God actually showed us, Romans 5.8, his great love for us by sending Jesus to die for us. That's why we know that he loves us, because he sent Jesus. But the funny thing is that he sent Jesus, it says here, while we were still sinners. And you might say, Jesus died so many years ago. He was put on the cross and died and rose again. How can he die for me while I was still a sinner? Well, the truth is that before you even knew about God, before you even understood what he'd done for you on the cross, Jesus had already died for your sins. He died knowing who you, what you would do and how you would sin against him before you were even born. And he'd already paid the price for you because he loves you so much. So God has already reached out to you. He's already demonstrated his love. And no matter where you are in relation to him this morning, you can know that he loves you Completely, even if you're far from him. He's already given his life so that you can be forgiven. If you will just turn and put your trust in him. So that's our response to that when we realise that that while I was going my own way, living my own thing, Jesus had died on the cross for me and he was reaching out in love for me. It's overwhelming to me. That makes me just filled with a sense of worship, a sense of awe, a sense of thank you, God. We worship him because he first loved us. Worship's primary. We're commanded to worship. He's worthy of our praise. And we love him because he first loved us. I wonder uh, a question that might be for us is then how are we to love him? How can we love this God? Um, I just want to share these three, three thoughts with you this morning about how we are to love God then. If, if we're called to and if all those things are true, then what's our response? How can we do it? Well, I want to tell you, um, we, Jesus responded and he said, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, 
and I want you to notice that he wants us to love him with all of those things, every part. So God doesn't want just part of your life, part of my life. He doesn't want just this sort of little section here, but not this section here. He wants all and he asks for it all. He, he wants us to give everything of our heart and of our soul and of our mind. He's not interested in half-hearted commitment. He's not interested in occasional obedience or just a little bit of our leftovers of half of our money. He, he just wants, he desires full devotion, not just little bits of your life. So how are we to love God then if that's the case? Well, we're to love him with worship that is actually genuine. I want you to notice that uh, he said to this woman, in the, at the woman in the world, the Samaritan woman, when he said to her, remember we talked a little bit about that God is looking for, for, for people who will worship him. We keep, kept going and he said, and true worshippers, true worshippers of God are those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's in John chapter 4 and verses 23 and following. It says that. Now, now when he talks about spirit and in truth, the thing I want you to know is he's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about our spirits. In your Bibles, you probably find a little S at the start of that. But what he's saying is we have been created in the image of God and God's given us a spirit and a soul and he's given us that and that is how we communicate with God. We, we, we communicate with his Holy Spirit and we worship as from our very inner being, our very spirit. So it says, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I think he is saying here, this true worshippers will worship him in spirit. Genuine worship comes from deep within. It's heartfelt worship. It's, it's worship that is not just going through the motions. It's not worship where you're singing some things but thinking about what's for lunch. It's not worship where you're kind of just giving half. Heartfelt, genuine worship is giving him at all. You know, it doesn't matter where you are, it's that you're doing it genuinely from your heart. Um, how else? Well, God wants us to worship in a way that is true. You notice that Jesus said to the woman at, at the well, he said, I want, God is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, some people get uh, so caught up in their spirit, you know, responding to, to God that truth can get out of the picture. You know, people can, can let go of truth because of the experience of what's happening. But here Jesus clearly says that spirit is very important, heartfelt, genuine worship where we're responding to him. But truth is also so important and the truth of God is always found in God's word. Whatever our worship is, it must be biblical. It must be based strongly on God's word. It must be foundational on there. So some people think, I'll just worship God in my, uh, this God because this is what I think he's like. Well, you're not, you don't have that right. You don't make up who God is. You don't think, I'll just do it because I think he's, a, you know, I'm feeling bad and I think God, you know. We worship God according to how he's revealed himself in the Bible. Now, we'll never know all about God. God's the great, he's so much bigger than any box we can put him in. You know, he, he, the fact that he knows everything, that he's always present, you know, we can grasp that, but we'll never know God completely. But what we do know about him, we know clearly from the Bible. And when we're worshipping him, we must worship him in truth. So that means that we, we're careful about the things that we say in our life, in our worship. We, we're careful about the songs that we choose to sing. We're careful about the, the, the ways in which we worship. If we're reading a book and it, it's not matching up with God's word, then we you know, we don't really want to, if that's where we're looking to understand and be nourished in our life, we, we want to be very careful about those kind of things because we want worship that is true. We not only want that, we want worship that is practical. Um, 
See, the, the, the previous one, worship that is true. Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Don't ever disengage your mind from worship. You know? It's not just you know, repeating things mindlessly. or you know, it, it, Make sure you're rationally thinking through it as well. You don't have to throw it out. Don't always be so rationally that you're not engaging spirit, but there's a balance there together. The third thing, worship, God, worship is that is practical. You know, Jesus said in another time when he, when he responded in, in another um, a book, he said, worship God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. Now, uh, what does this mean? It means our worship is practical. It must actually be demonstrated in action. Uh, all, um, an old African proverb says this, when you pray, move your feet. It's kind of saying, don't just pray and not act. Worship requires us to live differently. You can't love the Lord your God and live just like other people. See, the heart of worship, when it all comes down to it, is surrender. If we want to live in a way that is uh, practical, it's, it's to surrender everything that we have to God. And how can we do that? How can we surrender to God? Well, it's actually giving every part of our lives and ownership and lordship of our life and laying it before God and saying, it's all yours, take it. You know, Paul said this, he, he went through, right, those thick, you know, doctrinally rich, deep chapters in, in Romans and gets right up to Romans 12 and he says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, all the things that have happened right down in this book right up until here, I urge you. I plead, I cry out to you to offer yourselves, to give yourselves completely, to offer yourselves living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. The image is very strong. What he's saying is I want you to take your whole self. I want you to get up on the altar. You know, they would offer sacrifices. They would take sacrifices and place them right on the altar. But most of the time, they'd be dead when they place them up. But he's saying, I want you to go up there alive and lie down on that altar and give everything completely to me. Hand it over. Give it to me. This is your spiritual act of worship, Paul says. You know, so the way we practically do that is we surrender ourselves to God. We, we say, God, everything that I have is yours. My family, I surrender it to you. My, my income, my work, my wealth, my talents, my future plans, my concerns, my uh, desire to run my own life, and my, my hope for a spouse, my hope for a, my relationship to get all, all this. You, you give it all over and you lay it down and you say, God, I'm giving it over to you. I'm offering it to you. Have it. You be Lord. That's so scary for some people. Often we find it really scared to just surrender everything to God. And I think one of the reasons is we, we fear. What will happen if I let go of my control of my family or my finances? What if I was to give them right over to God and say, you, you be Lord in that area? And the reason why we often are uh, afraid is because we don't know whether we can trust God. It's got a kind of God that I can trust, really. Like what would he do with my family or my talents or my time if I gave it all over to him? And the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Uh, you know, if we know the love of God, if we understand how much he loves us and he cares for us, then our fear and our you know, inability to sort of trust him will, will fade. God has demonstrated his love for us so clearly. And perhaps we need to get back and to sit, go and say, I know you love me. I know you care for me. I know who you are. I know all those things that I talked about before when we talked about being worthy of praise so that we can understand who he is and who it is that we're trusting. He's true to his word. There's no one else worth trusting than God alone. So take that fear to him, receive his love and surrender completely to him. And when, we, when we've done that, worship is practical, we surrender, we put our trust in him. Our lives, the practical outworking is that our lives are lived in obedience. 
You can't worship God at the same time as disobeying him. You know, if you really have surrendered and loving him and saying that, how could you possibly hate your brother, hate your sister? If you're worshipping God genuinely saying, take all that I have and all that I have is yours, how could you just be indifferent to poverty, to injustice, to people that are hurting? How could you worship God, surrender everything to him and then be someone who's stealing in time or in the books at work or, or sinning in different areas? Surrender to God. It's practical worship. Trusting in him, practical, and obeying him. Those who love him, worship him, obeying him. You know, Jesus said in John 15 verse 4, he, said, he made it so clear, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. You know, you're my friends if you do what I command. If you really know my love, if you really understand what I've done for you, then you'll obey me. Well, let's get intensely practical. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that worship can happen everywhere and he wants all of us and he wants everything of us. Um, and when we come together on Sundays, this is a time when we uh, gather together to corporately worship God. Now, I went with the family down to um, Werribee and uh, Werribee Zoo and we were in a little bus in the zoo driving through and we got to a little point and they said, here's where the hippos are, you know. And they said, there's, there's one hippo there but there's another little baby hippo called Tulip. And uh, she's going to be coming up any minute. Let's just sit and wait. And everyone was so excited. We got the cameras ready. And, the and we kept waiting. And we kept waiting. We said, how long can these things stay underwater? You know? And they said, well, they can stay under for quite some time, yeah, 15, 20 minutes. It could be any minute now. You know? And we waited. And we waited. In the end, we kept going and off we went. And they said, you know, these hippos stay underwater. <gasps> and up they come for breath and down they go again. You know, and I think the church is so much like a hippo. You know, uh, we're to be people that are worshipping every single day of our life, every moment of our life, whether we're, wherever we go, to be people that are worshipping God. And then every Sunday we come up for breath. <gasps> we fill our lungs. We encourage one another, spur one another. And we, we come away excited and we deep dig down into our usual life again. So... When we do come together, this is not all worship is. This is us coming up, the visible part of our, of our worship experience where we're corporately together. And if you think about the splash that would have made, if say we've got 600 people in our church, can you imagine 600 hippos all at once coming up? <gasps> you know, the splash would be incredible. Well, that's what we want Sundays to be like. When we all come up and encourage one another and, and wow, what power there is in that. But it's not all about this. Most of the time is underneath, unseen, daily worship, daily living and praying. Uh, so, but when we do come together, uh, it's, in, it's important that we um, realise some things about worship. W worship is not music, you know, not just music. Music is the means in which we worship God. It helps us to worship God. So not all that happens on Sunday morning or Sunday night um, in just the songs is the worship. The whole thing is worship. So we're worshipping God now. You realise that? So we're talking about God's word. We're, we're listening and we're hearing from each other. This is worship. You know, when we have the offering and you say, God, I'm giving you my, my offering. I'm giving you that now. Sacrificial. I'm giving that to you. That's worship. When we pray, when we sing songs, all of it is worship. When you're having a coffee afterwards and you're aware of the goodness of God and you're talking about that together and you're loving, it's pleasing to God. Now, some people think it's just in the singing, but it's not. It's all worship. And I want to let you know there's no particular songs that God loves more than others. There's no particular certain style or beat that God loves more than others. Like he doesn't favour certain styles or, or kind of beats. If you love a certain kind of music, like a style or a kind of 
feet. You know what that's really? That's your personal preference. And God has given us all different desires and loves and things that we love. But really, it's your personal preference. Um, here at, w- at Wodonga uh, Baptist Church, we have we sing. There are times when we sing songs that help us to praise and give thanks to God. Every song, our, every time we sing a song or a hymn, our goal is to help us worship God. That's the goal. Whatever it is, whether it's a hymn or a song, that's the avenue to help us worship God. So you know what? There's some people who love us sing more choruses, some love us more hymns and all that. We think that's great, personal preference. Thanks for letting us know about that. But what we want to make sure that we don't do is actually put any rules or anything on our worship leaders to say, you've got to do this or sing this many of that. We want them to lead us into worship that is loving the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind on Sundays. So we don't make a rule. We don't say you've got to sing these or you've got to sing that. But let me say some overall principles for us together. We, we, we do use both hymns and choruses and we, and we really love them. But we don't make any rules. But we do value some things when it comes to worship as a church. We value worship and make sure, hear my words, that is relevant. Right? So that means that when I'm speaking, I'm not going to use words that are not so complicated that you have to have lived 300 years ago to understand it or to have had a theological degree to understand what I'm saying. You realise? We just want everyone to come in to understand what's going on. You know, so I'm using just normal words and that's intentional. We want it to be clear. Uh, the same when it comes to songs. We pick songs that are just clear and understandable for people to, to, to sing and to, so, that, so that the words are, are, are able to be understood. Same with our prayers, same with everything we want to do. It's got to be relevant. Um, to people to people where they are. We also have a preference or a value today for contemporary worship. Um, the only reason for that is that we're living today. You know, we're alive today and we want to worship God today. We want to sing songs to him today. So we value contemporary worship. So whether it's an older song or a newer song or whatever it is, we want to sing it in a contemporary way. And, and we do that. Um, we also uh, don't use instruments such as the lyre or a bull's horn, you know, um, much anymore these days either, just because they're not around. And we want to worship with instruments that are relevant and are used today. Uh, my desire is that when people come to church, our desire as a church is that people won't feel like they have to go back to different eras of the church's history um, in order to sing praise to God. So that's, we want it to be relevant, we want it to be contemporary, and another thing we want it to be is creative wherever possible. Now God has made us with hearts and minds and creativity. He's given some people artistry gifts and some people dramas and some people love to sing or play music. And you know what, I think God's given us all those things and I love it when they help us engage in worship and giving thanks to God. So whenever time permits, resources are available and people are there. We will love to have a drama or a song or something if it helps us to praise and to give glory to God and to worship him. Um, I think uh, like that hippo, we've got to remember that worship is in every part of our lives. And when we come together, let's not just rely on this one hour in the week for our worship. This is a celebration of a life of worship. So whether it's a style or a preference or whatever it is, we want to celebrate together as we come up for that gasp of air. I just got to say I love worship. I love God. Why don't we pause just for a moment. Uh, We're just about to race on to our second value, but let's just have a moment of prayer. God, we thank you that you love us and that you have done all that you can. It's all been made possible for us to know you and we've accepted you. God, help us to worship with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind in everything that we do. Help us to never take our eyes off you as we worship. Amen.
Please stand as we sing the heart of worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and it's simply gone. Longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'm summing back to the heart of worship when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Please be seated. Well, there was a time when Jesus was uh, walking along, making way um, to Jerusalem and uh, what happened is he, he came into the temple and he just saw that people in the temple were exchanging money and they were selling items and they were doing all this kind of stuff and he just got angrier and angrier, madder and madder, a righteous anger uh, sort of dwelled up within him, bubbled up. Um, he had an anger, a zeal for his church that just consumed him, the Bible says. And then what he did was he, he went back in and he turned over the tables. He just let fly and he started turning things over. And then it says that he called out, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a place of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus must have looked around at his, the temple and he must have seen all the way in which people had just, you know, turned it into sort of some place where people were trying to haggle and rip people off and get what they could out of, out of each other, right in his house. And church, Jesus' words just come so strong and boldly to us this morning. If Jesus was to say to us, he'd say, Wodonga District Baptist Church, my house must be called a house of prayer. Well, we, you know, we're a church which has a number of number of people in it. We've got numbers of services, three, three services each Sunday. We've got ministries, so many different ministries that are running as well. Oh, church, 
I just want never for Jesus to look at us and to say, you're just doing so much busyness and you're forgetting the prayer. That'd be, that'd be terrible. And I think as we come to talk about what we value, we, we must value prayer. And we do value prayer as a church because prayer is, it shows our dependence on God. It says that rather than trying to just do everything ourselves and mark and barter and get the best, rip off someone else or do this or do that or be busy and try and make things happen, we're saying, God, we can't press ahead without you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. We can do everything in, uh, in, in our, we can do nothing in our own strength, but everything through you who strengthen us. Prayer is dependence on God. Why should we pray? Well, you know, because prayer makes a difference. Look what it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Uh, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Look what God says he'll do. If they'll seek my face, if they'll turn from their wicked ways, then he says, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. Church, God God's call, calls us continually to be those who are praying, who are seeking the face of God, who are turning away from our wicked ways, turning away and turning to him and crying out to him. And the answer is God's going to hear from heaven when a church will do that, when a church will pray and will heal their land and will forgive our sins. Prayer makes a difference. This afternoon, 3 to 3.30, Sacred Heart Church, we're praying for rain. So you could be there too. Um, the other thing, prayer makes a difference in that way. The other thing is when, when we pray about our worries, we receive God's peace. Philippians 4, 6, 7 says, you know, don't worry about anything, but instead pray. Pray about everything, it says in, in so many words. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for what he's done. It, it, be people that instead of worrying are prayers. As a church, if we're worried about the future, you know, what we should our leaders should be praying about those things and taking them to him all the time. If you're worried about your ministry, if you're worried about your small group, instead of worrying, pray. Be a prayerful leader. Be a prayerful person in, in all that you study leader, in all your ministry, in everything that you're doing. You know, uh, when we pray uh, in the midst of circumstances, we invite God's power. You know, as a church, if we're just trying to make things happen uh, on our own strength, it's a weak church. There's no power there because we're not depending on God. Power belongs to God. Uh, this is what it says in Psalm 62. Power, O oh God, belongs to you. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. If we want God's power to be at work in our churches, then we must continue to pray, to cry out for him, to ask as a church, for his empowerment and his strengthening, for the Holy Spirit's power in everything we're doing to strengthen us. Then it just becomes more than what we do together plus the result. It's God working through us and the results are unlimited. God will do what he wants in his power. Also, when we pray, when I pray in the midst of my uh, daily activities, we experience God's presence. Uh, when we continue to bathe what we do in prayer, everything as a church. We know that he's with us. We talk to him right through it all and we understand that his presence is right with us. My heart heard you, Psalm 27 says, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. We, we, we are constantly praying with God. We have a deep, rich relationship with him. We're just not talking about God. We know him. Church that prays like that. Is great. When we pray in the midst of uncertainty, we understand God's plans. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on what you think you know or your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will direct your paths. Churches, we are thinking about things. We've just made some huge decisions as a church. We've decided to adopt the Yao people of Malawi. We've decided just recently of church extensions out the back and we're beginning, going to be getting those soon. We, we now have decided about the values and we're preaching through them and we're working through them. All these things must happen with prayer. God, lead us. God, guide us. God, we, we ask for your prayer and your guidance as we uh, lead us in all that we're doing. I wonder about you in your own life. 
Are you praying for big decisions that you're making, for small decisions, for everything? Be people of prayer. Our church uh, continues to do that. We pray in the middle of oppression. When we do that, we come under God's protection. You know, one of the things that is true is as we start to state publicly our values, as we start to say what we stand for and what we will not compromise on, I think Satan uh, really uh, hates that. And a church that is going to stand on things like Christ is the head of the church, we're biblically based, we're, we're a church that will worships God in every facet of our lives, then Satan is going to get into action. Um, keep alert, Matthew 26, Jesus says, otherwise temptation will overpower you. And, and Ephesians chapter 6 talks about how we just need to be those that are praying all the time against Satan's attacks. We need to be praying as a church continually. I just want to tell you, practically, as a church, we provide opportunities for personal prayer after every service, morning and night. We want to clearly say that as you come up for air, we want you to be able to pray. You, things that you might just want to do is pray with someone after the service. If there's a struggle, if there's something you're facing, if there's a challenge or a sin that you're not able to conquer and you need prayer, if you're wanting to make significant decisions, people just want to pray with you. It's no big deal. It's not weird. It's, it's just saying we're passionate about prayer here and we think that we want to pray together as a church. So every service at the front, there's people to pray. And I'm so thankful for that. And I know so many of us are. Not only do we every service have people that are down the front praying, but we pray. We receive your prayer requests every week through the prayer cards. You know, I just wish every one of you had a chance to sit with me as I go through the prayer cards. We just have uh, prayer requests on the, you know, from so many of you each week. And as I look and pray, and I pass it on to the team, and Gail meets with the with a team, a prayer, a team of prayers each week and pray for the requests that you've brought in. And we're staggered at the results. Well, maybe we don't. But prayers are being answered all the time. Maybe we need more faith. Than I, this is just normal what happens when people pray. But people, uh, prayers are being answered. So we, every, every week you have an opportunity to pray. You have an opportunity to put a prayer request in on the prayer card. And our services, I don't know if you notice, but you, notice, you might notice that I pray uh, each week. Worship leaders pray right through the times when they're leading as well. And prayer takes place before every service. We pray for the service as well. Um, what, what we want to do is that not just to happen when we're taking our breath, but in every little part ministry of our church. So if you're a small group leader, we want prayer to be a significant part of your small group. If you're leading a ministry team, we want that to be a significantly bathed in prayer together when you meet. One of the things we've just done um, in the last few months is, is develop a weekly prayer sheet. And it's primarily aimed at, past, uh, at small group leaders. And what happens is every week we email and send out the prayer needs that uh, we as a church are praying for this week. And the idea is that prayer, uh, pa- uh, small group leaders share those around and pray together as a small group. Now if you or a small group leader, don't get that. All you need to do is just put that on, say, put me on the mailing list and give us your email today and you'll be on that mailing list. If you say, oh, I wish I was a, a small group leader so I could pray, you can just put your thing on and say, send me that. I'd love to be on the, on the church's weekly prayer thing and I'll get one a week and pray as well. And so put that down this week and, and get your name on there. The other thing that we do is we... we our leaders pray. You, you need to know that the pastoral team and the staff are a praying people. We meet every week. Every week when we gather together, we pray. We pray for the church. I want you to know our deacons meet together once a month and we pray during our deacons meeting. But then also we meet separately at another time and we pray together as well. Uh, that's because we're passionate about prayer. The other thing we want to do, and we continue to do this too, is call the church together for a whole for, for a prayer time. And last time we, we had, I think, uh, 80, 80 plus people that came for the prayer night that we had. And it's a time where the church gathers together powerfully at an, a particular night to pray for issues. And we do that regularly because 
Prayer makes a difference. We're a church that values prayer highly. We're a church that depends on God and wants to communicate with God all through the day. Now I want to just say for two things, two things that we expect of you as a person that comes to this church is to be praying. We reckon there's two key things when it comes to praying, that Jesus just expected us to be people that prayed. He said, when you pray, this is what you're supposed to do. And he talked about when you pray, go to your room, shut the door, this is Matthew 6, and, 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 and pray. He gives instructions there in Matthew 6 how to do that. So we just love you to be spending time every day in prayer, praying to him, you know, giving thanks to him, uh, 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 spending time confessing, asking for your own needs to be met and praying for people like missionaries, the persecuted church, people all around, praying for your lost friends, praying for people together. Be, do that. Pull aside once a day. Try that. Do it five times a day if you want to, but at least once a day. The other thing is to be praying right through the day. Everywhere you go, everything you do, you know, Hey, God, you know, God, I'm just about to get to work. Would you, you know, thank you for, for my job. Would you give me some opportunity today to speak to someone? Thank you. Oh, God, I'm 10 bucks short on this. Maybe we can, uh, should I buy this? I, you know, just all through, have a natural conversation with God. He's there all the time. He wants to be part of your life and keep praying regularly to him right through the day. What we desire is that you would not only be pulling aside and praying, but every moment of the day, you'd have an awareness. God's with me here. God's leading this. Maybe he wants me to say something here. Maybe he doesn't. Oh, that was, you know, just be doing that. That's what Paul said when he said pray in all circumstances. Church is a church that values prayer because we depend on God. A church is a church that values worship and wants to worship God in every facet of our lives. So we close today. Why don't we pray? and lift these heart's desires of our church before him. Oh God, we want to thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross, for sending Jesus to come and, and to make us right with you. And God, thank you now that we live in this incredible sense that you've lavished your love on us. God, we want to be those that worship you right through the day, that come together each week ready to give you corporately as a church. God, we, we, we thank you that you value prayer because you want us to pray to you and to ask you for power, for strength, for wisdom, for guidance in everything that we do. God, this church is your church. We commit as a church to value and to prioritise worship and prayer in everything that we do for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.